It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Bishop Hensaw once said, We should no less hate to tell than to hear slander. If we cannot stop others' mouths, let us stop our own ears. The receiver is as bad as the thief. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary, as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for taking the time uh, to join us today. Talk to us anytime with your feedback or questions at ChristianQuestions.com and all of our social media channels. Dig deeper after this episode by downloading our comprehensive Siku Rewind show notes. It's a visual and contextual map of everything we cover. That's on our website and in our weekly newsletter. Plus, check out our YouTube channel. We're putting out cool content for all age groups with new videos every week, all available at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what's on the agenda for today? Well, Rick, our question is, if I slander and gossip, what does that say about me? And our theme text is found in James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Okay, if I slander and gossip, what does it say about me? It's a sad thing to say, but slander and gossip are easy. They are. Whether it's by spoken word, social media interaction, we are set up to say things, to write things, and to imply things about others without recourse. For some reason, we think it's okay to slam those we don't like with twisted facts and partial truths. It's looked upon as cool or even clever to attack those we see as our opposition with innuendo and unverified stories. So wait a minute. We need to ask ourselves, do I consider myself to be a moral person? Am I a professed follower of Christ? Do I ever contribute to this mess by dishing it out or receiving it? So folks, coming up in today's podcast, slander and gossip, they sound bad, yet we engage in them all the time. Are you ready to confront the truth? Our second segment takes the fun cover off of the matter and reveals the vile underbelly of what makes these things work, and it's not pleasant. When I gossip about someone, does that mean I should welcome gossip about me in return? Isn't that fair? In our third segment, we dive into the heart of the matter and find the stark and ugly truth. What should we actually do in order to get out from under the enticing inclusion that gossip makes us feel? Our fourth segment is all about action, what to do and how to actually make it work. And finally, what does it look like after we fight through the totally humiliating experience of making right the wrong that we did to another? True story answers to this are in our final segment. Rick, let's face it. Any, I mean any, participation in this kind of slanderous and evil behavior is in no way and under no circumstance ever justifiable for any Christian or moral person. So how do we stop the madness? And that's exactly what it is. It's all madness. And that's really what we're talking about today. How do we stop 
the magnet. So, Jonathan, to get started with the stopping, let's kind of define where we are. Gossip in the in the New Testament comes from several different words, but one of the main word, and here's a great definition for you: it's a secret calumniator. A what? <laughs> That's exactly what I said when I read it. So I looked it up in Merriam-Webster's online dictionary. You know, calumny is a misrepresentation a misrepresentation intended to harm another's reputation, denounced his opponent for his inflammatory insinuations and calumny. Oh, and another definition, the act of uttering false charges or misrepresentations maliciously calculating to harm another's reputation. So the word for gossip in in Scripture is not a pretty word. How about the word for slander? Well, slanderers uh, means talkative against, that is, a slanderer. So there seems to be a similarity, but there are definitely differences. And so for our purposes in looking at modern-day definitions as well as scriptural definitions, the nicest way to describe gossip that we could come up with is hushed, idle, and careless talk. Let's not stop there, though. It's the creating or repeating of things that should not be said because either they are not true or they're not the whole story or because they're no one else's business. Gossip can and does happen easily and sometimes unintentionally. Well, Rick, slander is more of a spoken out loud misrepresentation of someone that has the intention of damaging the person's character, reputation, or record. It is much harder, though not impossible, to slander someone unintentionally. Okay, so gossip really is the hushed, hey, did you hear about? Slander is the outward um, proclamation. Neither one of them has any goodness in them. And so what we want to talk about through this this uh, podcast today is what these really look like according to Scripture and in real life, the damage they do, and what we can do about them. And Rick, one of the best ways to talk about the trauma and damage that slander and gossip can bring is to tell a real life story. We heard from a CQ listener who asked for this subject to be considered. She shared her own horrible experience with being one who slandered another and gave us permission to tell her story in hopes that it would help others uh, to not make that mistake she did. So, Jonathan, this this was an interesting thing that happened. Uh, She had emailed and we were emailing back and forth and we were talking about her story. I don't know this person. I don't know where she lives. I don't even want to know where she lives. But she was very, very, very honest in a really, really bad experience that she created. And in in listening to her via email, her explain the process that she went through, I was really touched by her desire to right the wrong. And so in she wrote her story down for me, and I asked her if I could rewrite it with my own phraseology, my own words, to to better hide who she is and where she's from in case somebody else is listening in that area saying, hmm, I wonder if it's this person. We don't want that, okay? If anybody asks me, so who is it, Rick? The answer is, why do you need to know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> okay, so let's get started with her story. The first, We're going to deal with five or six different pieces of her story, and the first piece we call The Sin. The Sin. 
I've been a dedicated Christian for over 20 years. One day, a fellow Christian, person A, with whom I've had a long and tumultuous relationship, wanted to privately discuss with my spouse and I what they thought were some of my character flaws. I know they did this with the best of intentions. Person A wanted to point out that I'm far too negative, and they felt this was something that needed work. They pointed out that such negativity can eventually burn out the brotherhood and even break apart the local group. Nobody would want to be around such a person. Well, I took this to mean, I am so negative I'm blowing up our local church. Basically, if there was a way to take it wrong, I found it. I called a friend of mine from our local group, person B, and asked their opinion. Should I leave the local church? They asked what brought this on, and I said that someone brought my negativity to my attention. Person B guessed person A said this and wanted to know if that was correct. I answered, kinda. I expressed that I was dismayed and felt that I was being run out of the class by person A. Well, this was the match that lit the raging fire. Person B interpreted this as person A being so controlling that they were going to run people out of the church themselves and they became paranoid that it would happen to them. So, doing what they thought best, they went to person A's spouse to discuss it with them. Now, Jonathan, we're not on camera, but I just read your lips. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so there was a problem, okay? There's a problem because this individual, she talked about another individual, and what was represented really blew up, okay? That's the sin. That's where the whole story started. And you might th listen to that and think, oh, well, that doesn't sound so bad. And folks, listen, if that doesn't sound so bad already, then we've got a problem because we are looking at things and saying, oh, yeah, that's the kind of thing that normally goes on. Is it really? According to Scripture, it ought not to because there's, there's the naming and there's the assumptions and then there's the reactions and all of this ends up blowing up as we shall soon see. Okay, so we're going to get back to her story in next segment. But let's wrap this segment up, Jonathan. Let's get to some scriptures, okay? Gossip and slander are spoken of in scripture and are never, ever, ever, and I might add, ever <laughs> seen in a positive light. See, this is important to say this because there is a movement that says, well, you know, gossip, gossip is good, you know, because it, 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 it forms social bonds and on and on and on and on and on and we're not going down that road at all. We're going down the scriptural road. It's never good. Let's just take a look at Romans 1, 28 to 31, and we'll take it in a few pieces. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind and to things that should not be done. Okay, so this is giving you a sense of God's, uh, of a measure, I should say, of God's judgment and saying that the world walks away from God. And by giving the world up to that debased mind, a lot of things kick into gear. Amongst them are some of the things we're talking about. Verses 29 to 30 now. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious toward parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. You know, and you read all those things, and man, there's an awful lot of crud on that list. In the middle of that list, Jonathan, is gossips and slanderers. That 
we should take notice of, Rick. Because we look at the gossip part and we think, oh, it's not that bad. Come on. Everybody does it. But it's on the list. And if it's oh, on yeah. a list like this, forget about it. Okay? Get away from it as fast as you can. Uh, throughout the podcast, Jonathan, uh, I want to just give a couple of comments that this Christian woman gave. Because not only did she tell us her story, she supplied scriptures and made comments on them as because she, it was, she was going through the learning process. And relating to this scripture, she said, and I quote, this is a very scary place to be. Thankfully, I can honestly say my heart never came near this, you know, this whole big list of nonsense here. But if I kept on this road, this is likely where I would end up. So she understood that she was on a road that was leading to the destructiveness of her of her relationship with God, whatever that might have been. So, Jonathan, as we look at this now, gossip and slander management, what do we what do we have to begin with? Well, gossip and slander are easy. There are amount the mo- they are among the most socially accepted awful sins that we are warned against. They are socially acceptable awful sins. Socially very acceptable and they are looked they're on lists that are hideous when it comes to Christian behavior. So folks, if we are Christian and we engage in these things, we've got to start asking ourselves some serious questions. So a strong warning about any sin is how easy it is to commit. Gossip and slander are like eating potato chips. If slander and gossip are such bad things, why do we do them? Is it just because it's fun or exciting? We've been studying scripture and discussing how biblical history collides with world history in today's culture for 20 years on radio and in podcast channels. If you're curious about how the Bible or Christianity applies to what you have faced and are facing right now in your life, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Listen live or on your own time. Then reach out to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation. The human heart and mind in our present sinful state are not reliable guides to determine what is wholesome and what shoots holes through others' lives. It's far too easy to engage in slander and gossip, not only because of the self-satisfying rush it gives, but also because of our natural need for recognition. And Jonathan, sorry to say it, but it's a way to get recognition. When you know something on somebody else and you've got the dirt, you become important. And others want to hear it, and it feeds your ego. And this is just the wrong place to go. Well, Rick, slander and gossip, they sound bad, yet we engage them all the time. Hmm. Are we ready to confront the truth? Well, I don't know if we're all ready, but we're going to do it anyway. Okay, ready or not, here we come. And uh, Jonathan, as we go through the, each of the, the, the last four segments of our, of our podcast, we're going to quote little, little pieces from an article from Psychology Today, um, the, the uh, meaning of go- to gossip or not to gossip is the question, okay? So just he's, he's got these five little points uh, in, in this article that I think are really con- uh, important. And first point is gossip excludes. We love the feeling of belonging, and gossip is a powerful way of establishing an us, but at the exclusion of them. And, you know, it's important that we do, that we are recognized, okay, but not at the exclusion of someone else. And that's where gossip and slander come in. And that's what they do. They create an exclusiveness 
by the excluding of others. So we heard the beginning of this true story from this Christian woman who wrote into Christian Questions and said how she had told person A about what somebody had said about her and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, or person A had talked to her and then person B, she told who said it and, you know, now person B went and told uh, the spouse of the other person because, you know, this is a big thing and now I'm worried and, you know, this is not a good thing. We've got to nip this in the butt. Well, here's what happened in this story. And that's not what happened. This is what happened. The consequences. The next thing I knew, my spouse of over 25 years came home and exploded. Talking about divorce kind of exploded. Apparently, person A's spouse went to person A, who called my spouse and indicated I was evil speaking all over the place and slandering their good name and adversely affecting their service in the church. Half the things I was accused of, quite frankly, never entered my mind. But that's how my words were interpreted. What followed was extreme emotional pain, countless tears, and despondency after reading that Jesus utterly condemned slander. I was inconsolable. Person B told Person A that I was just venting, not on some sort of evil mission, but that didn't matter. Slander is slander. The Apostle Paul says, don't even eat with such a one. I was openly shunned at services and not referred to as sister. A congregational hearing was mentioned. I was devastated. Wow. She made a mess. Oh, big time. You know, and... It's it, scary. It is. That's scary. It, it, it's scary. And, you know, one of the things is you, you had some other things happening in the story, right? You know, others talking to others, maybe. That, that's right. And and based on that, Rick, maybe others didn't handle things the best way they could have either, right? Maybe. But, you know, here's the point. I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because this Christian woman didn't care. What she cared about is she started the problem. That's what she cared about. She said, that's how my words were interpreted. And then in that, then later on she said, slander is slander. So she did not have the highest of intentions. She said things she shouldn't have. And she kind of locked out everybody else's reaction and said, I'm the one who messed up. And Jonathan, I tell you, I, again, I, I don't know the person, but I give her incredible credit for taking that approach, thinking it doesn't matter what they do. What matters is I fix what I did. And that's what drew me to this story, was that deep humility and the devastation to say, look what I started. I have to fix it. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, James, the, 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 the book of James, rather, puts our minds, our intellect on notice with his unmistakable observations regarding our words. The third chapter in the epistle of James is teaching us to be tongue-tied. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> tongue-tied. Yes. It, well, and, well, but James knew what he was talking about, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, you know, there are times by God's grace that we should be tongue-tied. <laughs> they really are. And he, in James chapter 3, is teaching us how to do that. So we're going to break part of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, into five basic, five basic points. So the first point, when we get started, is what? Think. That's it, huh? Think. Okay. Think. Think. No one is exempt from speaking poisonous words. James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 
Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. And Rick, uh, we know that the word teacher here really is representing pastors teaching their brethren. It's not a teacher in the traditional sense that we would think. Right. So, but he's what he, his point is. Look, um, knowing as such will incur. We we all stumble. So he's saying, think about it. No matter who you are, no matter what you'd like to aspire to, just remember: higher aspiration has higher responsibility, and we all stumble. And you know, it, it if you don't stumble, you're 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 lying to yourself. Okay, that's right. That's okay. right. So so th- think about that. So what what's the second point? Think. But that was the first point. Right. It's okay. also the second point. Right? Okay. Think. Don't be deceived by the subtlety and seeming insignificance of your tongue, of the words that you use. James, we're in James chapter 3, now verses 3 to 5. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. So think we can so easily rationalize. It's just a story. I didn't mean anything by it. I wasn't trying to hurt somebody. You know, come on. You don't have to take this seriously. What James is saying is the little tongue inside that big body of yours has incredible power and it can literally guide your entire life. The words we say, Jonathan... They can guide our lives, and they can destroy the lives of others. This is a big deal. And so James's point here is think, th- think about this. Understand what you have power over or what has power over you. So now we're going to get on to verse, uh, verse 6. What's the third point? It's uh, think, Rick. Think. <laughs> <laughs> there is a really clear picture unfolding in James chapter 3. Think. And I'm going to add and stop, okay? Think and, and stop. Um, the subtlety is the very thing that wreaks havoc. It's because it's so subtle that we get into such trouble. Think of Satan's simple and even soothing words that he spoke to Eve in the garden way back when he said, oh, no, no, don't worry, you shall not surely die. I mean, that's like, oh, that sounds like good news. I could get used to that. So what sounds inviting is actually inviting destruction. Speaking evil, that's what we're talking about here. And the tongue, it's the words that we use. Now, obviously, it's your brain that's behind it, but James is focusing on the tongue for a reason. He wants us to understand what comes out of our mouth can be utterly destructive. Verse 6 of James 3. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by Gehenna. So it talks about the the, the tongue being that little match that can set an entire forest on fire. 
it destroys Rick. It can. And what James is saying, he and he's not he's not he's not putting he's not making this a, a a kind conversation. He's not easing into it. He's saying, think what you say can destroy everything around you. And with this Christian woman who wrote into us, that's what was happening to her. What she said began a path of utter destruction. James chapter three, verse seven and eight. What's the point here? Well, it's think and stop. I'm going to add your stop. Okay. Think and stop, and then I'm going to add consider. Okay. Left to the whim of human thinking and emotion, the tongue is murderous. Left to the whim, left to the feelings that we have, the tongue can actually be an instrument of murder in terms of spirituality. Think about that. Verses 7 and 8 of James 3. For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. That's scary. He says no one can tame the tongue. So what he's saying is you had better be aware because you've got this ability within you naturally to be out of control by the words that you speak. That's how serious this is. James is saying naturally we are bent toward being out of control when it comes to the words that we we speak. So having this recurring theme of think, it really makes a difference because he's saying you need to understand this. He's really developing this point really, really well. The um, fifth point, verses 9 and 10 of James 3, what's, what's the point? Think, and I'm going to add stop, and consider, and what are you going to add? Absorb. <laughs> okay, think, stop, consider, and absorb. Especially for a Christian, controlling our words and their mission is one of the greatest contradictions of our lives. If we are not in control of those words to the glory of God, then our words are counterproductive to everything that we stand for. So, folks, whether or not you're, you're listening and you're a Christian is not material at this moment. What's material is if you are a moral person, this, you, should, you should be listening to this thing. Wait a minute. This applies to me. Because if you care about the well-being of other individuals and are not seeking to hurt others, then you should be rising to a higher level. For Christians, it's not only something we should be doing, it's something we're required to do. We have greater responsibility. Verses 9 and 10. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. See, you got to absorb that. How is it possible, James is saying, that you can be a blessing and, and a curse to others? It shouldn't be like that. You stand for something higher. Jesus addresses the power of words right after he had just spoken about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 12, Verses 33 to 37, 33 to 35, I'm sorry. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. So Jesus is really summing it up, you know, um, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So James is telling us, you better watch your words. Jesus is telling us, 
what's your heart doing to feed those words? Mm. That's where we have to begin to really understand that we have the power to build up and the power to destroy simply by our words. Simply by our words. So gossip and slander management, management, Jonathan, no surprises here. Think, stop, consider, and absorb the unfathomable damage and destruction gossip and slander produce. We need to think it through. We need to confront it intellectually and get it into our heads that we are wired to create damage and destruction around us by our words. That is what we need to get intellectually into our heads. In some ways, gossip and slander are like an addiction. Once you're in it, it feels natural, even if it's killing you. Purifying our words can be an enormous mountain to climb. We think it out first. What's next? Let's learn something about one of your Christian Questions hosts. Before Jonathan starts his workday, he wakes up at the crack of dawn, then swims multiple miles, then heads out to take on his workday. Should we start calling him Jonathan Phelps, or should we just go with Aquaman? And now you know something more about Jonathan. What's next on the podcast, fellas? Uh, Aquaman, that's pretty good. (laughs) Look, folks, once we've thought through and accepted the incalculable damage our words can cause, we're then able to take clear steps forward. As with any issue in our lives, the problem of slander and evil speaking is at its core an issue of the heart. Purify the heart and begin to climb that mountain. So, yeah, see, Jonathan, we just wanted to put that, that on there because now there's something that people can talk about. You know, about you. I, you. Al- I always loved that cartoon when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you are kind of like a fish when you swim. You really are. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> hey, Rick, an important question. When I gossip about someone, does that mean I should welcome gossip about me in return? Isn't that fair? Uh, you know, that's interesting. We are, it's so easy for us to tell half a story or what we heard. Do we want others to, to speak like that about us? You know, do we want others to just tell half the story or what they heard and then have it be repeat, repeated two or three times and get it, have it changed because that's what happens. Nobody ever gets it right and, can, and repeats exactly what they heard. So if I heard what the other person heard, what the other person heard, what the other person heard, it's not at all even close to what happened. Do you want that to happen to you? I would hope not. Well, and, and then, Jonathan, let's keep our mouths shut. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. Back to that article from Psychology Today, just a couple of lines. Gossip ruins reputations. Now, this is one of those moments that you say, well, yes, we know that. Yet, do we? Then why do we do it? Again, from the article, a reputation is hard to build. but Once broken, it's even harder to repair. Gossip often happens without all the facts and reasons and circumstances, but it happens as though it has the authority of truth. And that's the problem. It sounds authoritative, and it's not. And that's how you break a reputation. Now, some of us might be thinking, oh, that's a good tool. And, you know, if you're a Christian, shame on you. Absolutely, that is a shameful, shameful, shameful thought. We should not even have, approach our enemies with such things. Not like this. It is so ungodly and unchristlike. It's, it's unspeakable. Here's what happens when these things happen. Let's go back to the story from the Christian woman who wrote into us. 
and talked about her story. And remember, in the last soundbite, her husband blew up. He was so upset because everything began to fall apart. She had started an earthquake within her local congregation. Broken Pieces. I had to get over the emotional turmoil before I could actively repent in a way that would show fruitage to both God and my Christian family. I prayed and prayed and I apologized and apologized. In the weeks that followed, I enrolled myself in a behavioral therapy group to give me tools on how to get along and deal with people in an effective, non-offensive manner. I personally apologized to Person B twice and redeemed the character of Person A and explained not only what I did wrong in the eyes of God, but why it was wrong. I apologized to the spouse of Person A, who said they forgave me, but has been cool toward me ever since. I've engaged in extensive Bible studies on evil speaking, slander, the fruits of the Spirit, etc. So she went to work. There's dedication there. Yeah, you know, in enrolling herself in that behavior therapy class, you know, that, again, that shows a sense of, I am broken. I need to be fixed. I need the tools necessary. And she not only did that, but she mentioned, you know, study and prayer and apologizing. And, and, I, and I like the way she phrased it. And, I, and I, this is one of the phrases, a few phrases I didn't change. Is she's in, I redeemed the character of person A. In other words, I went back to the person I spoke to and I made sure that I told them about the, the, the goodness of person A. And I really, really appreciate that. She just wanted to make sure that, look, I said something I shouldn't have. Here's what I know of this other individual. And th- this is a hard, hard road to go down. And, and, you know, you'd love to think that, wow, she did all those things and it worked out great. Well, just we'll hang on and we'll get to the next part of the story soon. Jonathan, let's go to Proverbs 23, verses 6 and 7. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. So, you know, the, the idea, the question we need to ask ourselves, and, and part of verse 7 is a very famous quote from Scripture, you know, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Um, we got to ask ourselves, do my words reflect? Now, wait for it. Do my words reflect? A selfish person who may look good on the outside, but is hollow on the inside. That's what gossip is, Jonathan. Gossip is hollow on the inside, and that's being kind and generous. Gossip is also being weak on the inside, or insecure, or jealous, or angry. At the very least, it's hollow. We have to be so aware that we just can't talk about each other, unless it is in a sense of, man, Jonathan, I've known him for years. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you how he has blessed me. And Jonathan, I can have this conversation with lots of people because it's true. You know, Rick, you're really touching on the heart here. You're You're touching on what is in your heart. What makes you love the Lord, love his children, and, and how you should behave uh, in word. And, and we need to focus. We, we do. We, we need to, to, to be clear about it. And if we're going to say something about someone else, let it be to pass on a blessing from that mm. individual, to pla- pass mm-hmm. on their, their, the, 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 the crystallizing of their character or the things that they did that were, that, that, that 
stood in the in the face of evil. You know, just the the, the goodness. It's so much easier though to just talk about the trash. And, and to take something and then to add an extra little detail because it must be this way. And, and, and what a mess. What a mess. Folks, look, let's, we, we've got to remind ourselves of the consequences. What Jesus himself says could be an end result for ourselves. And this, this is sobering. This next scripture, Jonathan, this is, no, let me, let me retract that. This is not sobering. This is scary. This is scary where what, what, what we say about others can actually bring to us. Matthew five twenty one to 24. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into Gehenna. And Gehenna, Jonathan, is a representation of second death, of complete annihilation. Total destruction. So it's talking about what we are saying about one another. And he says, it doesn't say that if you do it, that's where you go. But it says the guilt is there to bring you there. And I don't know about you, but the only thing I want to know about Gehenna is the historical significance, what it means in Scripture, and that's as far as I want to go. Amen. Okay, we have got to keep ourselves back from there. We know better. Once we feel the depth of consequence... Let that knowledge provoke heart-driven action. That's what we've got to do. We've got to feel the consequence, feel the fear. And that's in verse, uh, so, so that action coming from that, that, that recognition is in verses 23 and 24 of Matthew 5. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go for it. Sincerity before God and man. That's what those verses are showing us, being just clear and sincere, which this Christian woman really began on the path of, that sincerity before God and man. Go ahead. And, And Rick, this seems to mean first, ask forgiveness personally of someone that you may have done an evil to. And then later, pray asking God's forgiveness. And then the question hit me. So, Rick, is God saying that if we don't um, do the first step, he won't forgive us? You know, that's an important thing. It's important for us to make sure we get everything in order. I'm not going to answer your question at this point because we're going to come back to that later. But it, what it does, Jonathan, is it makes it a very serious offense before God. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. There's enough written in Scripture. And look, seek your rewind in the, in, in, in the, in the show notes, um, in the bonus material at the end. There's, there's, I don't know, 20 or 30 other Scriptures we don't have time to talk about in terms of gossip and slander in Scripture. It is spoken about, and we are given ample warning about staying away from it and trying to heal. So, you know, the answer, Jonathan, really leans toward... We have got to watch this. This can, be, this can be one of those big, big, big areas of our success in Christ or failure of our humanity. We can make a choice here. So um, Trish, uh, she's my wife, for those of you who don't know, and she listens as we go and always asks questions on, you know, to make sure that we're on the, uh, on the right track. She says, so what should this Christian woman have done differently? And, you know, at the very beginning, she shouldn't have talked about the other person. When, when, when person B says, so is it so-and-so? 
the answer, the appropriate response would have been, that doesn't matter. What matters is, is my character that far off and what should I be doing about it? She made it about somebody else instead of about her. That's what she should have done. She didn't, and now the consequences rolled in like a tidal wave. These next verses are serious foundation, a serious foundation-level gut check. Colossians 3, 5 through 10. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. You know, <laughs> we're not talking about good lists in this particular podcast today. Um, you've, we have got to, as Christians, consider our earthly thinking as dead along with all of our earthly desires, which all amount to idolatry, putting the created before the creator. The choice to become godly comes from the heart. Idolatry comes from the heart. Which will it be? Godliness from the heart or idolatry from the heart? And the heart is the seat of all of our emotions. Verse 6. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. It's because of these things. So now there's a, a, a change here saying, okay, you've got the wrath of God coming upon the sons of disobedience. Be very clear. Idolatry brings God's anger. Always has and always will. So what do you choose? Do you choose that godly heart or that earthly heart, which is indisposed to, or, or predisposed rather, to be talking about others, whether it be quietly and whispering or right out loud and boldly. It doesn't matter when we are talking without the full story, without it being necessary and upbuilding, then we're gossiping and it is not good. Do you want to bring the anger of God to you? That's a question. Verse 7 and 8. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also Put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And Rick, that word uh, slander means vilification. That's terrible. That is. It is. And the, the, the phrase abusive speech actually means vile conversation. Oh. So look, now look at these verses through the eyes of original definitions and a Rick opinion, if you don't mind. Um, well, we went back through these, these last couple of verses and said, okay, what do all the words mean? And let me just give you kind of how it impresses me. Okay, so this is not a word-for-word -word translation. It's not a translation. It's a transliteration, so you get a, a feel for how I see it. Quote, this is a Rick quote. Before God granted you his grace, you were lost in idolatry. You now know better as you reject your violent earthly desires, your passionate emotional reactions, the depravity of your sinful state, your scurrilous representations of others, and your vile conversations. This is not pretty talk, Jonathan. No, it's not. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, did I really reject these things? Or do I just say I rejected them? Folks, if we engage in evil speaking, can we actually say we rejected these things? If we're doing them? Come on, let's be real here. Get the, get, let, it, let it have an effect in your heart. Feel the contradiction that's coming out according to these scriptures. Verses 9 and 10 of Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So 
this can only be accomplished if we have our heart longing for God and his blessing. And Jonathan, that's the bottom line. If that's not what we're after, then we're after the wrong things. And like it or not, those other things end up being satanic. And if you're a Christian, do you want to be engaging in satanic activity? That's what gossip and slander are. What's our gossip and slander management point for this segment? Feel. It takes a courageous confrontation of one's own heart to seek the corruption that gives slander and gossip permission to exist. You've got to feel it. It's one thing to think about it, but you also have to feel it because gossip comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the head. It comes from the heart. Get your thinking right. Get your heart right. And then we can begin to move forward. Talking about evil speaking in this way is like watching a tragic documentary. Makes you want to do something. We've got our head on straight and our heart lined up with God's will. How do we actually change? It's another Did You Know moment for your Christian Questions host. Let's learn something about Rick. He rarely drinks any beverages. This voiceover guy witnessed it in person during a recent visit to Christian Questions HQ in Connecticut. He doesn't do caffeinated coffee. He drinks maybe one glass of water during the day and one diet soda per week. Does he have camel DNA? We may never know. Or it may be because he's putting in so many Christian Questions volunteer hours and additional ministries volunteer time. And now we return to our regularly scheduled programming. Camel DNA, come on. (laughs) Listen, folks, look, there's never an exception to the rule of life that requires action and perseverance to make a change and keep that change in place. All of Christianity is built upon this. We are given God's grace and his spirit, and then we're required to do the work so we can grow up into maturity in Christ. And Jonathan, that's what really we're, we're focusing on in this segment is we have to do the work. And, and you know, just, just an interesting side point, you know, we did those last two segment changes, you know, one about you and one about me. And, yeah. and you know, and I kind of purposely put the both of them in there because it's about talking about other people. And then we've got our, our voice, voiceover guy talking about us. The difference is he's doing it in front of us. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he's doing it and it's fun. Okay. So let's get it straight. All right. When if if you and I want to joke between ourselves, as long as we're not hurting one another, we can have some fun. But that's right. Let's not do that behind someone else's back. Let's not tear down. Let's instead build up. What should we actually do in order to get out from under the enticing inclusion that gossip makes us feel? Okay. What do we do? That's really going to be the. that, that that's going to be the, the the core question here. So let me go back to the psychology today or, um, article. Just just a couple of lines. Gossip is morally questionable. And again, there's there's thinking that hey, gossip is good because it's a social thing. And we're not going down that road at all. According to scriptures, gossip isn't good. That's where we're staying. We do take a strange sort of pleasure in discussing the suffering of others. It may be a fact of human psychology, but it's morally unsound. Let me repeat that. That's from Psychology Today. It's morally unsound. It just is not a sound thing to engage in. It's not something we should be doing. Uh, Trish, treat others the way that you should be you know, treated. Right. You know, 
um, you don't want people talking about you uh, in, an, in a wrong way, misrepresentation. So why would we consider doing that to someone else? And Jonathan, on top of that, we don't want people talking about us. What if, what if you made a bad mistake? And I went around telling everybody, and I was incredibly factual about telling everybody about your mistake. And I had all the facts right because I was there and I witnessed it, and I even took notes. Okay, okay. so what does that say about me, okay? Oh. <laughs> but think about it. You don't want your mistakes to be advertised like that, even if they're 100% true, because right, what's Rick. the value? Now, with this Christian woman who wrote into us, she said, please talk about my mistakes because they are a learning tool. So she handed her mistakes to us and said, please use them that's so, beautiful. so others can learn from them. And that's why this has such a powerful, powerful thing. Trish just handed me another question. She says, is all gossip evil speaking? What if it's true? And I think we just, just answered that. You know what? If you're not building others up and you're saying something that's negative, even if it's 100% true, what are you doing? What's your motivation? Come on, really, what's your motivation? Let's understand that. And that's what this Christian woman had to figure out is she, even though she wasn't trying to hurt somebody, her motivation was far from godly, and she figured that out. Let's go back to uh, her story and hear some of her hard reality. Hard reality. I wrote an apology letter to person A detailing the situation and my repentance. It wasn't just an oh I'm sorry letter, but I explained exactly what happened and what I did and what I am doing about it. A few days went by and I received a scathing letter in return in which I saw judgment, emotion, and fierce anger. They did not believe me. They said they were happy I'm in therapy but would be cool toward me for some time to come. They felt I wasn't truly repentant because they thought I had not redeemed their character in the eyes of person B. I was very surprised to hear that. I wrote a brief reply thanking them for their thoughts. I told them that I had already spoken to person B twice redeeming their character and would happily speak to them again. I did. My spouse, who knows my heart and my repentance, eventually wrote person A and assured them that I am indeed repentant. My spouse explained it is an act of repentance and I'm seeing scriptures in a whole new light. As a result, person A did eventually forgive me. You know, it's so easy to say, oh, look, I said I'm sorry, now it's your trouble. But she didn't do that. She realized that the damage she had done was so deep, she didn't care about what anybody else said, did, or thought. She just went back to work again. And that's what we're trying to get to, that total personal humility that says, I will go to any length to do what I possibly can to mend that which I broke. And she's not putting one word of, of responsibility on anybody else's shoulders because that's not her concern. Her concern is just what she does to fix what she broke. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. So let's get back to scriptures. In the context of godliness with contentment is great gain, Paul further tells Timothy to take action. And that's really going to be the theme for this segment. First Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But flee these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And Rick, uh, make a good confession. To me, this must mean when they 
were baptized and did a full body immersion to show what took place within their heart, that they want to do God's will, and they're showing their brethren that this has taken place. Yeah, see now, that's that's showing us that the heart and the actions are in line with one another in a godly fashion. See, our heart and actions can be in line with one another, and we can destroy other people. It's got to be toward godliness that our heart and actions are lined up together. Uh, it, you know, it's really true that actions speak louder than words. Now, words can destroy actions. And you saw in, in our story for this Christian woman how even though she did all the right things, it didn't work the first few times. She had to keep going back again and again because once you break a reputation, it's really hard to rebuild it. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 25 through 27, and then we're going to go after a moment to 29 to 32. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, and yet do not let sin, the sun, uh, do not sin, but do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Satan waits for our fleshly thoughts, our fleshly uh, um, uh, impulses to take hold of that, the words that we speak, and so we can be destructive to others. Because, you know, what's what does Satan gain in our being destructive to others? If we're followers of Christ and he can trip us up, that's a victory for him. And if we are hurting others, he trips us up. You know, now, now, well, now, let, me, let me rephrase that. We allow him to. It's our fault, okay, that we act in a satanic fashion. Speak to each other from the perspective of being eternally connected. Okay, this crushes Satan's hold. And you know, it's about taking action. At the beginning of the verse, it said, therefore, lay aside falsehood. If you're going to lay something aside, it means you have to make a decision, and then you have to have the discipline to lay it aside. Rick, how can we keep that amazing perspective that you just mentioned, being eternally connected? How can we keep that in front of us so that we don't mess up with our words? You know, if we have an issue speaking evilly or gossiping or slandering those who who are also Christian, we need to be able to look at them through the eyes of the covering of Jesus. And if we can't, then there's something wrong with our heart, period then we have got a lot of work to do, and we have no right to be talking about anyone else. We should instead be on our knees day and night, essentially, asking God for the strength to be able to stand up in righteousness and not in, in, our, in the folly of our own thinking. It's hard, Jonathan. It's hard. And that's why we said think first, feel second, and then take action. Decide what you want your communication to look like. You've got to make that decision. You won't decide what you want it to look like, what you want it to sound like, and you, what you want it to accomplish. And that's what verses 29 uh, to 32 of 1 Timothy 6 tell us. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. That's the point. Let your words give grace to those who hear. If you're having a problem with evil speaking and gossip, maybe put that phrase on your refrigerator. My words must give grace to those who hear. And if they don't give grace to those who hear, they should not be spoken. Period. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. It grieves the power and influence of God in our lives when we don't speak appropriately 
about those around us. 31 to 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You know, the theme here is action. There's no greater action than self-discipline and control. Verse 32, be kind to one another. Kind, being kind is not a thought, it's an action. Be tender-hearted. Now, tender-hearted happens on the inside, and that allows us to take the action of forgiving one another. It's all action-oriented. Once we get it into our heads, what Christ-likeness looks like with our words, once we allow it to settle into our hearts, that the feelings we have need to be driven by the higher thinking, then the actions can be in line. Don't just think it, do it. Another, another powerful action that we can take is that of depriving sin of anything to thrive upon. Starve it. That's what we want to do. We want to starve the sin in our lives. Proverbs 26, 20 to 22. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And when there is no whisperer, contentions quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindling strife. The words of a whispers are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. See, you hear what that verse says. The words of a whispers are like, they're like donuts, Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> Donut holes, dainty yeah, morsels. They, but see, they, they go down into our system. And if we let those words get down into our system, then what, kind, what, what are they doing? Look, if we don't starve the slander, it ends up feeding us. Oh, wait, wait. Say that again. If you don't starve the slander, it ends up feeding you. Oh, that's profound. See, it becomes a source of energy. And the problem is it's dark energy. And it's energy that is designed to burn you out and those around you out. Not to build up, but to burn out. That's what slander and gossip do. Actions, both for good and for ill, bring consequences. Paul shows us how deeply slander cuts. And, and look, you want another, another warning, uh, you know, warning shot across the, uh, the, the bow? 1 Corinthians 5.11. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, which means abusive, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. A reviler, you know, that's abusive. And this Christian woman that wrote into us quoted the scripture, and here's what she said about this scripture about herself. Quote, I made a seriously boneheaded mistake, but the Lord is showing me that this is far more than that. It's a very slippery slope that must be stopped. So she looked at that scripture and said, look where I'm heading I'm heading right out of my relationship with my Christian brothers and sisters. This is not where I want to be. And her heart, Jonathan, her heart was for God. And fortunately, she was able to tell us this story as she's clawing her way out of the hole that she dug for herself. What's our gossip and slander management point for this segment? Take action. The only way we can put gossip and slander out of our lives is to actively repel it at all times and on all fronts. This takes courage, humility, and grace. You know, we can have a lot of courage and we can be humble, but if we don't do this relying upon the grace of God, 
then we don't get very far as Christians. Period. So don't think for a second that you are designed to be able to overcome this as a Christian by yourself. You're not. I'm not. We can't. It needs God's grace. We need the scriptures. We need the the example of Jesus. We need the brotherhood. We need the humility to be able to apologize before them and to be asked for forgiveness and be repentant. Those are all the things that we need. Gossip and slander really are the good, bad, and the ugly, with a strong emphasis on the ugly. Overcoming gossip and slander is an ever-present challenge. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Every episode, we cover a lot of ground. Part of gathering all the information and drawing conclusions is having a thorough conversation. Thanks to all our listeners for all your feedback every week. Rick and Jonathan want to hear more comments and questions. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com, through all our social media channels, and download our app by searching Christian Questions in your app store. Now, since we have puzzle pieces everywhere, let's put those pieces together. You know, it's been said that success in the journey is in the journey, and that it's true, uh, that is true in the battle against gossip and slander. We may go through experiences that teach us not to open our mouths to speak inappropriate words, but that doesn't mean we won't be within earshot of hearing them. Constant attention is required. And Jonathan, that's the other part of this that we barely touched on. You know, we keep talking about don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Don't listen either. With just as much ferocity, we have to stand against listening to the gossip and the slander. Because when you listen to it, you give it life. You do. It had its own life, and now you've given it more. Well, way to go. That's not Christ-like. Well, Rick, what does it look like after we fight through the humiliating experiences of making right the wrong we did to another? What does it look like after we fight the fight? Very quickly, before we go back to our our Christian friend, back to that Psychology Today article, Gossip Pulls Rank. Gossiping gives us a false sense of moral superiority. superiority. As Nitschke points out, the feeling of rank is one of the most important basic human instincts. To gossip about someone is to elevate yourself above him or her. It pulls rank. It is a conscious choice, a decision to elevate yourself by pushing the other person down. And that is as ungodly as it gets. So this Christian woman who wrote in to us and shared her story and graciously agreed to let us tell her story um, now begins to wrap up and say, okay, it's been a little while, and there's a lot of things that I've really, really, really begun to learn. So let's hear her begin to wrap this up. And, and you know, Jonathan, you can have a happy ending. And, and that's a, a beautiful part about this. She committed a horrible sin, but she worked hard, and the ending does not have to equal the sin. Lessons learned. The long and short of this is that I now see Scripture in a whole new way. If I were to put a scripture to this event as it pertains to me, it would be 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 31 and 32, from the NASB. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. I did not judge myself rightly in the past. I allowed evil speaking and negativity to reign unchecked, and it set the world on fire. 
Had I done what the scriptures prescribed and repented daily and focused on the little foxes that spoil the vine, I would not have needed to be disciplined by the Lord. A hard lesson learned. I continue daily in active repentance, using the tools and skills I'm learning to be a better person. And I rejoice that even though the experience was dreadful, the Lord is working with me. An added blessing is that person A is quite pleasant to me these days. Although our relationship is hello and goodbye, they do refer to me as sister. I can only hope that their spouse comes around in time. Person B and I have put all of this behind us. My spouse and I have a wonderful marriage that neither one of us wanted to end. Our God loves a happy ending and has given one to this hard experience. I just know that I don't want to be that person ever again. I want to be pleasing to our Lord. I don't want to be that person ever again. You know, earlier in that soundbite, she said, I allowed it. I, if I would have judged myself appropriately, I wouldn't have needed to be hammered down through the experience. But I didn't, and I was. And now I've learned. Now, and she's also, if you notice, saying, it's not over. I haven't learned it all. I am learning. I am growing. I am developing. And that's what makes this story such, a, such an inspiration to have committed such, such, created such havoc in her local church and to be able to crawl back with the humility and the grace and the scriptures to be able to, to, to stand again before those that she meets with. We, here's the thing we've got to ask ourselves, Jonathan. What do we know? What do we know about ourselves as a result of this powerful and life-changing lesson? Let's go to James chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. This you know, my beloved brethren. Okay, this you know. Okay, so what do we know? Well, James is saying, here's what you know. Go ahead. But everyone must be quick to hear. Okay, you have to be willing to listen first. Slow to speak. You know, with slow to speak, Jonathan, we could do an entire podcast on those three words because <laughs> seriously, because it, 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 it talks about thinking and processing before you form the words. And slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. It doesn't. Gossip and slander are the anger of man. Therefore. Okay, therefore, because you know this putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility. Okay, because you know this, you can put aside, remember that's the action that we talked about in the last segment. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You can only receive God's word if you put the other things aside. You know, this is a basic law of physics. Two objects can't occupy the same space. And the space in our heart, is if, if we've got too much of that evil and darkness in it and our own will, you don't have space for the goodness and grace of God. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And just like, just like our Christian friend said, she had deluded herself and she wasn't a doer of the word. And again, her quote here in relation to this verse, This was my failure, not applying these principles and not accounting every day and night to God to keep my righteousness in Christ, pure. Deceiving your own selves, a very bad trap to fall into. So she's saying, this is weird. These are the places I went wrong. Long before I didn't, before I spoke those words, there were other things that were already in place. So it's not just the words. It's what brings us 
to the words. So what do we know about ourselves regarding the reasons that we are tried and tested so severely? Hebrews 12, 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So this is a powerful thing. We are disciplined because God cares. And we have trials because he loves us. And when you are raising your children, that's what you do. You discipline them because you love them so they can be better. And it's the same thing for us spiritually. And again, back to our Christian friend. Here's what she says in relation to this specific verse. And this is, this is beautiful. She says, as with all dark, cloudy experiences, God has provided a rainbow of hope. Yes, I did wrong, very wrong. I was humbled and humiliated and very, very repentant, but it wasn't until after the strong emotion of this experience blew over that I came across this verse, this Hebrews twelve seven you just read. And she says, and I rejoiced, because she saw it as a blessing from God. The horrible things that she said and did were used so that she could grow up in Christ. And this is a confirmation that God loves her because he disciplined her. Yes, very, very, very much so. And and again, very quickly from the Psychology Today article, gossip creates herd mentality. Gossip often uh, leads to groupthink, which occurs when a group makes faulty decisions because of group pressures. Now, she doesn't wasn't necessarily involved in that, but that's where gossip really begins to take hold. When we form our little little groups within our group, if you will, and you know we can talk about them and this and that and the other thing, and 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 we put ourselves in a position of darkness in the midst of potential light. So let's go our final soundbite from this Christian woman who wrote into us, and she talks about a learning tool that she was able to use that really helped her understand things. This is this is very profound. Listen, a powerful tool. What do you know? This is one tool I learned in behavioral therapy, and it's a tool that has immensely helped me not evil surmise, which leads to evil speaking for me. It's called, what do you know? Example, you and I are in a room. I sit down, I'm wearing jeans and a sweatshirt, my hair in a sloppy bun. I'm talking to you, but I keep looking down and mumbling. What do you know? Insert your observations here. So what do you know? You know that I'm wearing jeans, a sweatshirt, I'm sitting and I'm looking down and mumbling. That's all you know. You don't know if I want to be there or not. You don't know if I came from the gym or not. You don't know if I'm having a bad day or just lost my dog or what. You don't know anything except what you see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. You cannot read my thought bubble. Because you cannot see inside my head, you cannot reasonably assign motive to my actions. I find this helpful because that's what I'm notorious for, thinking, oh, she's just being this, or he's doing that because... evil surmising. Then when I voice it, it becomes evil speaking, and bingo, character assassination. Not good. Not good at all. What a great tool. What do you know? And, you know, a couple of phrases in there. You can't read my thought bubble. So I can come across in a certain way, and you can make a conclusion, or vice versa, but what do we really know? Only what we see, and what we see is not necessarily able to be interpreted until we know more. So she also talked about evil thinking, evil surmising, which is what happens inside of the heart and the mind that lead to evil speaking, and it's all connected. So what do we know? And the answer is not much unless you ask, and then you listen 
and then you absorb what you've listened, and then you repeat back what you've listened to to try to understand. And then, Jonathan, what you do is you can build that person up instead of talking badly about them. How about that? There's a great Encourage them in Christ. That's right. That's right. Because, you know, the other side of it is, you know, what do we know? We know our actions toward others will influence God's responses toward us. And this is the negative side. Remember you asked me about, you know, what do you got to do? What have you got to do first? Yeah. Well, think about this. This is Matthew 7, verses 1 to 4, are verses that are very clear in how we are dealt with by God. And the bottom line is we choose. We choose how God will deal with us. Listen to these verses. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You know, and this is this is a great exaggerated story. You know, Jesus is talking about having a log in your eye. Now, come on, nobody can have a log in their eye. But he's he's saying to us, this is how obvious it is from a godly perspective. You are looking at a speck in your brother's eye and passing all kinds of judgment. And I'm saying to you, if you do that inappropriately, you are giving God permission. You're actually telling God, here's how I want you to judge me, the way I judge someone else. Now, folks, really, do any of us want that to happen? No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. We need to be careful. This sums up gossip and slander, evil judgments that come from a contaminated heart. We need to be rid of those things. So, as we wrap up, what do we know? We know that we owe our brotherhood, and we know what we owe our brotherhood, and what we owe to all. And here it is, Romans 13, verses 8 and then 10. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So, you know... This, these, these verses are so often just not understood beyond scratching the surface. You know, well, we need to love everybody. This love that we're talking about is this selfless, benevolent giving without worrying about receiving love. This is, that's what we owe to everybody. And that is to build each other up. And if there's somebody that, that we might have reason to speak badly of, instead of speaking badly of them, why don't we go to them and try to encourage them? I mean, let's turn the tables entirely. Let's build them up instead of tear them down. What should we do with what we know? Final uh, verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So... Put aside, again, the action, put aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. There it is. Slander shows up again. Put these things aside and instead desire even the basics of the word of God. Replace the junk with something of highest value. The word of God through Christ. That's what we want to to have in our lives. Last gossip and slander management point, Jonathan. Realize how wrong all evil speaking is. Set your mind and hearts to whatever action is necessary to make you keep you as a mouthpiece of godly righteousness only. 
who am I speaking for? Am I speaking for myself, for what others said, for what I heard, or am I speaking for Jesus Christ? Am I speaking as his representative? If I am, what is the quality of my words? Is it to build up? Is it to help? Is it to bring others higher? Or is it to destroy? What would Jesus say? Let's think about that as we talk about evil speaking and slander. Folks, hope you've enjoyed being with us today. This is a deeply serious lesson that we need to take so, so, so seriously into our hearts because it's too easy, it's too simple, it's too thoughtless to go down this road. We can stop it if we recognize it and do something about it. Think about it. Folks, listen, we do want to hear from you. Please give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, Contradictions Part 3. Does God Contradict Himself? Now, that's an interesting question that has a very powerful answer. We'll talk to you next week.